Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Fearless faith, and we're talking about our mission statement as a church. So if you're brand new to Creekside or if you're brand new to the whole church thing, you picked a great Sunday to come because we're in the middle of a, a series of talks on Sunday mornings that are specific to what we are all about as a church. We have a very simple mission as a church. It's up here on the screen. We simply are people helping people discover Jesus and follow him fearlessly. We don't think we've arrived. We don't think we've got it all figured out. But we think we've discovered this person named Jesus who has completely transformed our lives. And we've experienced something with him that we so badly want other people to experience as well. So we're just on this mission of being people that help other people discover this person of Jesus that's transformed and changed our lives. And our hope is that along the way, we would learn how to follow him fearlessly. In this series of talks, we're actually looking at five specific things that God uses to grow a fearless faith. And we're using what we call the Fearless Five. We're going to bring them up on the screen. We've got this acronym of F-E-A-R-LESS that we're using. And last Sunday, if you were with us last Sunday, we started with this first uh, part of the five that God uses to grow our faith called Feed Yourself. Unfortunately, for a lot of Christians, and if you're brand new to Christianity or maybe you're just kind of checking things out, here's one of the things that you'll learn about Christians. Unfortunately, one of the things is that sometimes we outsource this thing of spiritually feeding ourselves to other people. So we might outsource it to our church and say, well, it's the responsibility of my church to feed me spiritually. Or we might outsource it to a pastor and hope that, well, he's got more time in the week and hopefully he studies the Bible a little bit and he'll maybe feed me spiritually on a Sunday. Or maybe we outsource it to a a community group leader. We're in a small group, a life group during the week, and we kind of hope that they're leading the life group and so they might be able to feed me spiritually. Maybe it's a spouse Maybe for you, you have a spouse that is a bit more spiritually mature, and so you kind of outsource the spiritual feeding of yourself to your spouse, hoping that based upon their faith and their spirituality, some of that might just rub off on you, and you'll begin to grow spiritually as well. But the reality is, when it comes to a fearless faith, when we look at actually the life of Jesus, when he was alive here in the first century on planet Earth, and we look at the accounts of his life that we've been given in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four accounts of his life, we see over and over again Jesus giving us an example of actually feeding himself. That's what we looked at last week. We looked at several examples of Jesus not relying on somebody else to help him grow spiritually, but we saw phrases like this one, that Jesus often withdrew to a, a, a quiet place or a solitary place to spend time with his father. And just being with his father was the thing that allowed him to feed himself spiritually. Last weekend, we, uh, we kind of summarized the whole concept with this simple statement. We said that being with Jesus is actually greater than doing for Jesus. Sometimes as, as followers of Jesus, we get so caught up in everything that we're doing for Jesus. I know this has been true in my life for many years. I get so caught up in all the things that I need to do for Jesus that I actually forget to spend time just being with Jesus. The thing I love about the greater than symbol up on the screen, 
is that not only does it talk about the fact that being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus, but look at the symbol. It, it actually points to the fact that being with Jesus will lead to the things that we do for Jesus. So out of our life of being with him, naturally, Jesus taught us, he said, naturally, fruit or things that you do for me will come out of your being with me. And so we spent the entire Sunday, last Sunday, talking about this big idea of feeding ourselves and being with Jesus is actually greater than what we do for Jesus. And I hope that many of you this week maybe took the challenge, the take five challenge of just spending five minutes a day over five days of just being with Jesus. Here's my real hope. My real hope is this, that you wouldn't just take the take five challenge, but that you would take the take five challenge for life. That every day, for the rest of your life, you might actually focus on feeding yourself and being with Jesus and allowing the being with Jesus to be the thing that flows into doing for Jesus. Now, the next letter in our acronym, these fearless five that we're talking about, is the letter E. And the letter E stands for engage your places. And honestly, as you look at the life of Jesus, he, he set the best example ever of this idea of engaging your places. Several weeks ago, if you were with us for our series, Come and See, you would have heard us talk about Jesus and the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and how he engaged with that woman at the well. Jesus set the most incredible example for all of us of what it looks like to engage our places. But because we spent three weekends with a series called Come and See, we can put that up, we're not going to spend any time today talking about Engage Your Places. So if you missed Come and See, here's what you need to do. In order to get a good understanding of what Engage Your Places looks like, you need to go to our website here, creekside.org.au slash listen. And we spent three weeks during this series called Come and See on this topic or this idea of engaging your places. So this morning, we're actually going to jump ahead a little bit in the Fearless Five, and we're going to tackle the A in Fearless 5. And here's what the A in Fearless 5 says. It says, ask him to read the post-it note. So where's Tim? Can you do me a favor? Can you read the post-it note? Good thing I didn't throw this out, Jason. So it says, fearless following is not free soloing. Fearless following is not free soloing. All right, some of you are wondering, what is he talking about? Free soloing, what is that all about? The video we watched before the message today is a video of a guy named Alex. And Alex was one of the first to free solo, that means climb El Capitan, the big rock face, without any ropes, without any assistance whatsoever, which is why if he came in this morning and saw the post-it note before the service, he probably would have just scaled up the wall and got it down by himself without a rope, without any footholds, all those sort of thing, because he's what they call a free soloist. He can climb rock faces without any ropes, without any assistance. But when it comes to our faith, a fearless faith is not designed to be done alone. In fact, the way that I describe fearless faith is this. I say that fearless faith is actually a team sport. Fearless faith is a team sport. It took Tim a little bit of faith in Peter and I this morning to go up the wall to get the post-it note down. But the reality is, Tim wouldn't have been able to do it by himself. Post-it note, getting down, that's a sport, by the way. It's a team sport. It's not a solo sport. 
it's something that you need the support and the help of other people in order for you to be able to do it. Now, to explain this even more, I'm going to use an analogy from the world of sports and exercise, and I want to ask you a question this morning. For some of you, you're still trying to figure out, Jason, fearless following is not, you know, like soloing. I can't even remember what that was. Or fearless following is a team sport. What do you mean by all this? Well, to help you understand what I mean by this, I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. We all believe exercise is good for our health, right? I I was going to put it up as a statement, just assuming everyone in the room would agree. Raise your hand if you think, this. now it's a question. Is it a statement? Is it a question? I'm not quite sure. But raise your hand if you actually believe that physical exercise is good for your health. Raise your hand if you believe that. All right. I'd say most people in the room. Raise your hand if you don't think it's good for your health. Okay? Raise your hand if you just refuse to raise your hand in church whatsoever. Okay? It's kind of ironic that you just raised your hand in church. But... The point is, all of us in the room, we, all would, we would all agree that when it comes to physical exercise, it's probably good for our health. Now, raise your hand if you would say that I believe that physical exercise is good for my health. Raise your hand one more time, most everyone in the room. Now, keep your hand up if you also regularly phys- you do physical exercise every day. Keep your hand up. Okay, so maybe about 10% of the people in the room who said they believe that physical exercise is good for their health actually do something with what they believe every day. About 10% of the audience. Which just proves the point that when it comes to physical exercise, just because you or I or we believe something doesn't mean that we actually do it. Just because we believe it doesn't mean that we actually do it. Which proves the point that I want to make this morning that just believing doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a hill of difference, doesn't make a bit of difference that you believe that physical exercise is good for your health. It's not just about believing something, but it's actually doing that makes all the difference. Not just believing, but actually doing is what makes all the difference. When it comes to physical exercise, this is so true. When it comes to what you eat, this is so true. I believe that hot chips are bad for my health. I believe that. But I also believe that I want to eat hot chips every day. And so I do eat hot chips almost every single day. Even though I believe that they are not good for my health, I don't necessarily do what I believe. Not only is it true that doing makes all the difference, but here's something else that I've noticed when it comes to eating and health and exercise. Having support and accountability makes a huge, huge difference as well. That's why gyms, that's why Weight Watchers, that's why so many different organizations who help people to get physically fit or to eat a different type of diet, they recognize that it's not just enough for people to believe that this thing is good for their health or not good for their health. People also need support and help and accountability in order for them to make the lifestyle changes that are necessary for them to follow through and actually do what they believe. That's why all of these companies set themselves up with coaches and groups and support teams and accountability tools, online tools, Facebook tools, so that you actually follow through and do what you say you believe. 
Now, if you're brand new to the whole church thing, if you're brand new to Christianity, the whole deal, here's one of the things you need to know about Christians. And you're going to get a little bit of insight this morning into what Christians actually believe. At the very base level, when it comes to Christianity, all Christians believe something. We all believe something. In fact, there are probably some really basic fundamental things, no matter what church or what different denomination of Christianity you go and check out, there are some basic things that we all believe. We all believe that Jesus Christ was actually the Son of God. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a great man who did incredible miracles, and he had great teaching and things to live your life by. We actually, as Christians, at the base level, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. The other thing that we believe is that Jesus actually died on a physical cross. It's not a story, you know, kind of fable that we kind of think about. It's not some sort of fairy tale. It's, it's actually a true historical fact. We believe that Jesus died on a physical cross. And then this is the crazy thing. This is when it gets weird, okay? If you're not a church person, if you're brand new to Christianity, I'm the first to admit this is the part where it gets a little weird, okay? So lean in for a second. We also believe that same guy, Jesus, he rose again from the dead three days after he died. And that's where it starts to get a little crazy. For a lot of people, they're like, I can go with the Jesus was a good guy thing. I'll even go with the Romans crucified him on a cross, but rose again from the dead. Are you sure? And that's what Christians believe. Christians believe a number of things that make them a Christian. But Christians also believe some things that we don't always do. In fact, Christians don't always do what they believe. We believe that everybody deserves to be forgiven. But we don't always forgive people. We all believe that God is in charge of the entire universe. He's got the whole thing figured out. So therefore, we should trust him. But if we're being honest, we, we don't always trust God, even though we believe he's in charge of the whole universe. We believe that people shouldn't be judged. We don't want to be judged, and we don't think that other people should be judged. But if we're being honest, we oftentimes judge other people. In fact, if you're not a church person, if this whole idea of Christianity is brand new to you, you may be sitting in your seat this morning going, and that's why I've never gotten involved in church. This thing you're talking about this morning, Jason, that Christians don't do what they actually believe, that's the very reason that I haven't wanted to get involved. This is the very reason why so many people look at Christians and they say they're a bunch of hypocrites. Because they believe one thing, but they do something different. And that's why here at Creekside, we want people to discover Jesus. It's part of our mission. We want people to believe in Jesus. But we don't think that it just stops at believing. We want to invite people to actually be following Jesus as well. See, believing is one thing, but it's in the following that we actually start to do what Jesus taught us to do. It's one thing to believe in Jesus. It's a totally different thing to actually follow what Jesus taught us 
to do. That's why I like to say, fearless following is a team sport. Because quite frankly, on my own, by myself, free solo, it's impossible for me to accomplish the things that Jesus has called me to do. And every Christian in the room, I think if we were all being honest with each other, if we were sitting down over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or you were talking to one of your mates at work or somebody that you go to school with, I think we would all admit that while we believe some things, we don't always follow through on the things that we say we believe. And we would all recognize the truth that being a follower of Jesus is not something we can accomplish on our own. It's impossible for us to actually do everything that Jesus invited us to do, like love one another, support one another, forgive one another, bear each other's burdens. And I'm just talking about the one another list of things that Jesus gave us to do. There's a whole bunch of other things that Jesus invites us to do as followers of his. Quite frankly, none of us can do it on our own. That's why following him fearlessly, it's a team sport. We need support. We need accountability. Just like losing weight or going to the gym, we need the support and the accountability of people around us to help us do the thing that we say we believe in. That's why the letter A in fearless actually stands for, not ask him to read the post-it note, but it actually stands for accepts accountability. A fearless follower is somebody that accepts the fact that they can't follow Jesus fearlessly on their own. They need accountability. They need support. They need people to come alongside them and to help them. This is not a new concept. In fact, the very beginning of this thing called church back in the first century, the earliest followers of Jesus all struggled with the same thing. It's not new to 2019, certainly not new to Creekside Church that we would sit around and be honest with each other and say, oh man, following Jesus and actually doing what we say we believe is, is kind of tough to do by yourself. We're not the first ones to say this. In fact, in the, in the first century, the earliest followers, most of them were Jewish because Jesus was Jewish, predominantly those people that first started following Jesus were also Jewish. So they had a long history of understanding how God dealt with the Jewish, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. They understood the Old Testament. They especially understood the law. But then many of them started becoming followers of Jesus. They believed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, and they began to follow him. But over time, this small group of Jewish believers actually began getting persecuted by their own people. People that were also Jewish looked at them as kind of a strange cult that had left the Jewish tradition and had left their religion and started following this wacko called Jesus. And so these early followers of Jesus who were Jewish began to get persecuted. They began to get uh, attacked and they began to lose jobs and all sorts of hardships were caused upon these early Jewish followers because they were following Jesus, this kind of spin-off religion of Judaism. There was also a small group of people that weren't Jewish, some Gentiles that began to follow Jesus as well. And they struggled with this idea of following Jesus, actually doing what Jesus said to do, not just believing, but actually doing it, they struggled with this idea of following Jesus because many of them were trying to do it alone. There was a letter written to the Jewish followers of Jesus in the first century. The letter is called Hebrews, and it was written to a, 
a small group of Jewish believers that were spread out all across the then known world around the Mediterranean to help them with some of the challenges they were having as early followers of Jesus. Towards the end of the letter, the writer of the letter, who we don't know for certain who it was that authored the letter, he gave them some help as it relates to this idea of following Jesus and not doing it alone. He writes in Hebrews, or she writes, we don't know who the author was, they said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, the writer is saying this, uses this word unswervingly, which we don't oftentimes use except for when I'm describing my oldest son's driving. And I'm like, I wish it was more unswervingly. The idea here is of swerving a vehicle and going in a certain direction. Some of you are huge Fast and Furious fans. Apparently the latest film just came out. They love drifting in that movie. Some of you love drifting as well in your car around corners. You love maybe going to a parking lot and drifting. Some of you are nodding your heads because you remember when you were 16 years old and you're running away from those blue lights behind you. The idea here is that we wouldn't drift from what we profess. You hear what the writer is saying? You say you believe something, but are you actually doing what you believe? Or are you drifting away from the direction that you should be going and that you publicly profess, that you have communicated, that you believe in? He says, let us not drift away from the thing that we say we believe in. Because our God is faithful. And then the writer goes on to begin to give us a little hint into how we can actually not drift away from the thing that we say we believe in. He says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another. Let us consider, let us give thought to, let us actually ponder, let us actually pay attention to and maybe even think about and dream about. Let us consider how we can spur each other. I don't know if you've ever worn a pair of spurs. I've never personally worn a pair of spurs on some boots. Has anybody worn spurs on their boots before? A couple of people have. The spurs on some cowboy's boots are designed so that they can motivate the horse or motivate whatever it is they're riding to go in a certain direction. And this idea of spurring each other actually comes with some positive things, but if you were to ask the horse, they'd say it also comes with some negativity as well. Because when that spur hits them in the side, it irritates them, and it causes them a little discomfort, and it motivates them to do what the rider wants them to do. The rider of Hebrews says, hey, we should consider, we should think about, we should maybe even strategize as followers of Jesus how we can spur each other on, how we can motivate one another, how we can maybe even do something or say something that might be a little uncomfortable, but you say you want to lose weight, why are you eating hot chips every day? You say that you think exercise is good for your health, why don't you get up early in the morning and go to the gym? See, that's spurring. It's not always super exciting. It's not always something you want to hear from someone else. It may even be a little bit painful and uncomfortable. But the writer of this letter is saying, hey, let's consider, let's think about 
how we can both positively and maybe even occasionally uncomfortably motivate one another. But to what end? What does the writer say we should be motivating each other to? He goes, he goes on, the writer says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Holy cow. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what people that don't typically go to church, who don't typically follow Jesus, would think about Christians if we were constantly spurring each other on to love and good deeds. It would be a game changer. Could you imagine our community if we were known as a church that sometimes comfortably and maybe even sometimes uncomfortably encouraged each other and spurred each other on to love and good deeds in our community? I think it has the potential to change people's perspective of what church and Christianity is all about. This is a game changer if we encouraged one another towards love and good deeds. And then the writer of Hebrews gives a little warning. I don't want us to miss this warning. It's not something that I think when you first read it will come to your mind. In fact, I think that the warning over the years in church has, has actually been used out of context. Here's the warning that the writer of Hebrews says. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I don't know what church you grew up in, but the churches I grew up in, guys up the front that had a microphone strapped to their face, they'd read this verse and they'd say, and that's why you need to be in church every single Sunday. That's why you should be here every single Sunday. Not neglecting the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But here's what happened in the first century. They didn't have a church. That's not what the writer was saying. In fact, the writer was writing to groups of followers of Jesus who probably got together in their homes and had meals together, probably hung out together throughout the week and did life together and helped each other, not showed up once a week to an auditorium and sat in a row, said hi to a few people and told their story as if life is grand and went on for the rest of their week. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about people getting together regularly and doing life together. Not a smile on your face on Sunday morning and our family's perfect, we're all good, and we last an hour or so without anyone screaming and we get out back in the car and go home. That's not what he's talking about. But some of the people listening to the letter were in the habit of not spending time together. They weren't spurring each other on. And I've seen this happen over and over again. It's been true in my life, and perhaps you could even come up this morning and tell the story of maybe not spending time with other people that spur you on to do the love and the good works and to keep the faith. And so because of that, you, over a period of time, drifted away from your faith. I know that's been my story, and maybe that's been your story. Maybe you've seen it in somebody else's life where they began to neglect spending time with people that would spur them on and encourage them, and over a period of time, they drifted away. What I've seen to be true in my life and in other people's lives is that when you drift from your faith, it's oftentimes because we drift away from people of faith. 
When we don't spend time with people of faith who are encouraging us and spurring us on, we oftentimes drift away from our faith as well. The writer of Hebrews is not saying you need to be in church every Sunday. That's not the point. The writer of Hebrews is saying don't neglect spending time with people that are heading in the same direction as you spiritually, that will encourage you along the way. That's what he's saying. Then he wraps up. He says, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the day when Jesus will one day come back to this earth. And every day that goes by is another day closer to when Jesus returns. So every day that goes by, it becomes all the more important for us to spend time together spurring each other on, encouraging one another towards love and good deeds. This word encouraging is such a powerful word, especially when we think about the idea of a fearless faith. This morning when I said to Tim, hey, I want you to climb up on the wall and get a post-it note down, I was encouraging him to do something that, quite frankly, he was a little nervous about. And I'm sure if it was just me holding him up and not Peter, who's much stronger than me, Tim may not have had the encouragement he needed to actually go through with this act of fearlessness. We all need to be encouraged to live fearlessly. I love the definition of the word encourage. It simply means this, to instill courage in someone. To say to Tim, hey, you can do this. Not because of me, but because of Peter. He's stronger but to instill courage in somebody. I'm sitting here this morning, and I'm going to try not to get too emotional thinking about this story, but I'm sitting here this morning because of groups of people who instilled courage in me. Our family did one of the craziest things we could ever imagine. Packed up our lives on the other side of the planet, moved to Australia. My kids had never lived here they had no idea what they were coming into. We still don't. Most days, we have no idea what we're going to face that day. But there are a group of people that we have been doing life with in a community group for years who, when we suggested this idea, they said, God has uniquely designed you to go do that. And they said, you need to go. As much as we'll miss you, as much as you become incredible friends of ours, you need to have the courage to go and do what God wants you to do. I'm forever grateful for the people that we've been in community group with for a number of years in our life, for the last 15 years or 20 years now, who've instilled in us the courage to do things that we wouldn't have done on our own. So let me ask you a question this morning as we wrap up our time together. Who is spurring you to be a fearless follower? Who's doing that in your life? Beyond your family, I'm not just talking about your spouse, but do you have people outside of your family who are spurring you on to be a fearless follower? You might be here this morning and say, Jason, I'm I'm not even a follower yet. I'm not even sure about this whole church, Christianity, Bible thing. I'm still trying to sort through that. In fact, I only came today because somebody said they'd take me to lunch and buy me a free lunch. That's why I'm here. Do you have somebody in your life that's spurring you on to love and good deeds? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, do you have somebody that's encouraging you and instilling courage in you to be the best person you can possibly be? 
If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a question I think all of us have to answer. Do we have people that are spurring us on? Let me ask you this next question. Have you given up on meeting together? Maybe you were a part of a community group at one point, or maybe you tried to get into a community group at one point, and you're like, ah, it's too hard. I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. I've got a lot of things going on in my life, and honestly, to carve out an hour or two every week to go and hang out with a group of people on a Sunday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, man, I, I couldn't fit that into my schedule. I would just say to you, if you've given up, try again. Maybe you had a bad experience. Maybe the community group that you were a part of wasn't the best for you. I would encourage you with this thought. Have you ever had a bad haircut? I have. (laughs) Doesn't mean you quit getting haircuts just because you have one bad one. You go find somebody else to cut your hair. Maybe you've had a poor community group experience or a poor experience with meeting together with a group of Christians. Doesn't mean you give up. Just try again. Try another one. Or maybe you're here this morning and the question for you is, have you ever met together with a group of people that encourage you and spur you on in your faith? Maybe today is the day that you need to take a step and say, I want to be a fearless follower. And I recognize that following Jesus fearlessly, I can't do it on my own. So I'm going to connect with a group of people that are encourage me, they'll spur me on. They'll instill in me the courage to follow Jesus fearlessly. We think this auditorium here at Creekside is fantastic. We love how we get to sit in these rows every Sunday and we sing songs and we listen to somebody talk and we go home, we have a bit of morning tea. But here's what we know. Here at the, at the church, we know that these rows are very limited. We can only do certain things in these rows, like sing songs and listen to somebody talk. But to really do life together, to really know what each other are going through, we can't do it sitting in these rows. The only way we can do that is when we get into circles, into little groups of people that really know our story, that really understand where we're coming from, that really know what's going on in our life, that really know the challenges we have to forgive that person, to love that person, and they spur us on to do the things that we believe but we don't always do. That's why we say around here, we think circles are better than rows. We think these are great, but we actually think that the circles where people get together during the week in community groups, we think they're better than the rows you're sitting in this morning. We're convinced that community groups, community groups are the thing that will actually help you and encourage you to do what you believe. Not just come and listen and say, I believe, but you'll actually follow through and do the thing that you say you believe. So today, after the service, we're going to be dismissed in just a second out the back at morning tea in the alfresco area. You'll see a sign that looks just like this. It says community groups on it. And at that table are some of our community group leaders. In fact, our adult ministries director, Dan, is going to be at the table. He oversees all of our community groups here at the church and helps people get plugged into community groups. We think this is probably one of the greatest things you can do to be a fearless follower is to be in a community group. At the table is a card just like this one. And on the back side of the card is a list of all the different groups that we have available 
We have several that are forming right now, some that are multiplying. So some groups are actually multiplying into multiple groups right now so that we've got room for anybody that wants to be in community and to have someone spurring them on towards love and good deeds. We want to make that possible for you. On the card is actually a, a group called Alpha that starts this Wednesday night. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Jason, this whole fearless following thing, that seems a bit much for me right now because I'm not even sure if I'm following Jesus, let alone fearlessly. And I'm trying to figure out who Jesus is and can I really follow him? Do I really believe that he rose again from the dead? That seems crazy. If that's the case and you would put yourself in those shoes, I would say that Alpha is probably the best group that you could join. Starts this Wednesday night for four nights in August. And it's a great place for you to discover what following Jesus even looks like. Our bottom line for today is simply this. It's not always easy to follow. So don't try to do it solo. Don't try to do it by yourself. You need other people to spur you on to love and good deeds. You need other people to encourage you to actually do what you say you believe. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're not a part of a community group already, then take that first step to being a fearless follower. Accept accountability and don't do it solo. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that when you designed this thing of following your son Jesus, you designed it in such a way that we don't have to do it alone. We get to do it in the context of community. We get to do it with other people that are wrestling with the same things that we're wrestling with. We get to do it with people that will sometimes, maybe even in an uncomfortable way, encourage us to actually do the thing that we say we believe. So God, I pray for that person that's sitting here this morning, who's already a follower of yours, who's wondering, should I take that step? Do I have enough time in my week? I've had a bad experience in the past. God, would you help them to take the step of faith? of joining a community group and not trying to follow you alone. God, for that person that's here today who would say, I'm not even sure if I'm a follower of Jesus yet, God, I pray they'd have the courage today after the service to go to the table and to find out more information about Alpha today. And God, I pray all of this in your son's precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen.